0: A lot can happen in a year. Trends, debuts, world-altering events, and pop culture and film is there to reflect it all back to us generations down the line. Welcome to the A Year in Film podcast, presented by Hollywood Suite. I'm your host, Becky Shrimpton. And today, I'm joined by film and content specialist Cam Maitland and curator and film historian Alicia Fletcher. As season four comes to a close, we've looked at some amazing movies in the year 2010. But when you look at the year as a whole, there's one defining trend franchises, franchises, and remakes intended to launch franchises again. In a previous episode, Cam talked about how 2008's economic disaster caused Hollywood to buy up all the IP, and in 2010, we're seeing the results of that. Even the adaptation of the board game was something we'd see a lot of. We almost got an actual Hungry Hungry Hippos movie, not just a punchline in a Lord and Miller sitcom. Now, today, we're going to look at two movies that failed to reboot their franchises despite Box office success, arguably. Alicia, we both know reboot booms aren't a new thing, and Hollywood isn't out of ideas. But Cam, what should we know about the reboot-slash-adaptation-slash-franchise boom of the last year <laughs> of the 2000s? So it's it's ridiculous when you look. You've got, like, Harry Potter and, like, Percy Jackson. It's, it's crazy. Uh, But I
1: think we'll be getting to, um, uh, like, this era is where we start seeing what is now referred to as legacy sequels and like especially okay. the nascent um uh, like version of that though yeah I'm, I'm sure i there's actually a great letterbox list that i feel like would have the alicia stuff where she's like you know that uh harold lloyd was in a <laughs> legacy sequel blah 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 and i mean there are obviously big ones uh, the 80s tried it as well like psycho 2 was a very successful legacy mm-hmm. sequel and so oh. the, these ones they're a little defined better the best weirdly legacy sequel movie to talk about legacy sequels is the latest scream It's not necessarily my favorite movie but they discuss it where it's like you bring back old characters you're trying to like reconnect and i also think another part of it is this weird idea that you kind of see in predators where you are maybe ignoring other sequels like this might be you might be rejigging the continuity and i think you see the lead up of this with stuff like um superman returns which is like a sequel to Superman 2, ignoring 3 and 4. And I think you're also seeing, but along the way, like you would say, there's uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone, our friend from uh, The Expendables uh, earlier, uh, right before 2010. Our friend.
2: (laughs) Friend (laughs) of the show, Sylvester Stallone. You
1: know
0: what? From the way he talks about his fans, we are all his friends.
1: Yeah, exactly. I I mean,
2: no, I'm number one Stallone fan. Rocky franchise is my favorite franchise. Just
1: great. I think it was him on an episode of Solar Opposites. Maybe not. Somebody at least making fun of him. Uh, Yeah, Anyway, he had Rambo, uh, the the then reboot of Rambo, which I believe has been rebooted since, and Rocky Balboa, which of course got rebooted again with Creed, a more successful legacy sequel. Uh, and then Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was in 2008, which I think in a lot of ways presages these as well, because it had it tried to put Shia LaBeouf, uh, who of course is also in Wall Street Money Never Sleeps in 2010, yeah. as the also <laughs> reboot uh, younger version. So yeah, it's a weird thing where it kind of, it's, it's always been happening, you know, The Color of Money, Halloween, H2O, The Rage Carry 2. I think even that uh, Samuel Jackson Shaft considers that he's like the nephew of the original Shaft. Uh, So they've been happening, but for some reason, I think 2010, you have this big wad of them and from here on out, this is how you create a sequel reboot. And and the thing is, like... uh, I think they're often seen as this boondoggle, but if you think of Creed and you think of Jurassic World, those are incredibly successful. And yeah, like going back to Psycho 2, that was incredibly successful, and there's multiple sequels to that sequel.
0: I won't talk about Jurassic World because, like, for me, and I I try not to use this, but I do like the term suck We're (laughs) at the point where not only is it there to, like, suck all of your money, it's just also not very good, right? And I think the issue I have with a lot of the 2010 reboots is that they haven't quite found the balance between the fan service, because now the internet is there, and creating a new world that people can get Mm. into. And I think we're going to see that with one of our our films today.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I think that there's also this 80s mania, which uh, Mm. kind of peaks... I would say kind of Peaks dies, gets, uh, you know, pastiche to death with like Stranger Things in 2016. But I think that they were they were just mining everything from the 80s. And sometimes they were mining, for instance, in one of these films, a existing failure. (laughs) Like, uh, why choose (laughs) to go back to the minds of a flop? Like, what are you talking about? But that person would
0: also go on to direct the new Mavericks. Yeah, though, arguably, uh,
1: you can read all sorts of conspiracy theories as to whether or not (laughs) Joseph Kaczynski actually directed Top Gun Maverick. But maybe he's the king of legacy sequels. It's tough to tell. And I do think that both of these movies we're going to talk about really laid the track uh, for what would happen and be iterated better or worse.
0: Interesting. So, Alicia, how is this not new? Like, why does Hollywood keep coming back to these things in these periods?
2: I mean, money. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and It it goes back to um, the gold diggers, right? Like, literally, if you think about in the 30s, height of the depression, um, yet... Hollywood, MGM especially are kind of on top. You know, you had the Gold Diggers of 29, uh-huh. and then it was like, okay, what are we going to do next? Gold Diggers of 1930? <laughs> <laughs> gold Diggers of 1931? Gold Diggers of 1932? Different
0: versions <laughs> of A Star is Born? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, I mean, A Star is Born is a great example. Um, although, even there, you know, I think it's that's a funny franchise because it's not a franchise, it's IP, but. Uh, yeah. So many people think the Streisand is the original yeah. um not knowing that then there's a garland and then the then garland another, people don't yeah. know that there's <laughs> yeah. yeah, one from the 30s that is kind of for me the best. Um yeah, it's 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 always been there. It's been there since the silent era when copyright was different than how we know it today and you could rip off you know a trip to the moon got plagiarized as and that's why you had studios come up with their logos that they would put in the corner of every single frame so that you couldn't steal their photography and put your own title cards on it and then call it your own film like this this goes back to the inception of film
0: Well, I think feel like Inception is the perfect way for us to get into our first film. So with its cutting-edge technology and a dreamy baby Jeff Bridges in the lead role, Disney was sure to have a hit on its hands with 1982's Tron. It was, of course, a notorious flop. Give a listen to one of our many episodes about Dark Age Disney. It did, however, develop a cult following, and by 2010, CGI had advanced to the point that not only could the world of Tron be really cool, we could also present you a youngified Jeff Bridges. So, were people begging for a sequel to Tron? Did it finally give Disney the Tron rumpf they craved? Sorry, it's the last episode I had to end on that. (laughs) I couldn't help myself. Let's get into it it. Cam, do you want to give us a little plot summary on this one?
1: Sure. Uh, I think it depends on what a Tron Rump is. Uh it might <laughs> rumpf. Have. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, yeah. So a Tron Legacy throws out actually quite a lot of uh, the original Tron. Uh, it involves uh, Kevin Flynn, the Jeff Bridges character from the original film, uh, is. Uh, you, it starts off with him kind of describing his adventures from the original film, being sucked into the grid, this computer, uh, defeating the master troll uh, to his son Sam uh, then he mysteriously disappears um, he he has it's worth saying also successfully uh, the first film is all about him defending that he invented all these computer games uh, and and he successfully did and took over ncom the company uh, that was evil in the first movie um, so now then, you know, uh, his son, uh, sad his dad is gone. Smash cut too. Now his son is uh, hunk Garrett Hedlund uh, being uh, real bad. <laughs> I don't know. They, they They shave off his facial hair, what he has going for him and make him just a real bland hero. Um, but he's kind of a, a, a cool tech bro, uh, extreme sports enthusiast. Uh, and he ends up, through various machinations, uh, including also uh, Bruce Bachleitner returning as Alan Bradley, uh, helping him out. He ends up, what really matters is he gets sucked into a computer. He finds out uh, his uh, Kevin, his father, Jeff Bridges, has been in the computer. Uh, for these past 15 years uh, and he is fighting a version of himself clue Uh, clue is also the version of him in the old movie but this is a different clue it's a different computer uh and he ends up meeting Cora who is a oh my god I can't even get into it uh Kevin Floyd made a computer (laughs) that made spontaneous computer people uh there was a holocaust of sorts of these computer people run by clue uh he saved Cora uh sam's just trying to get out of there and reconnect with his father they're trying to fight clue uh they're trying to uh, seemingly inject cora into the real world for reasons unknown
2: (laughs) none of this matters none of of that none of that plot matters and i I didn't even get
1: to any of the good characters
0: (laughs) no i know and now that is the fact that the the entire thing that clue is trying to enter the real world is like but None of this is going to work. Like your reality is
1: different from that. Yeah, that's the thing too. Is it's like, would you not like if you came out? Would you not just be uh, electricity or some shit? Like that's the thing. That's what I pursuing. I I tried to. I I think uh, that's
2: what Lawnmower Man is about, right? Kind of. Yeah. Trying to (laughs) lawnmower man man also
1: trying to like impregnate a woman so they Uh, can have a baby. Like, yeah, uh, I think that there's now and again quite often when computers want to come into the real world, they're trying to put themselves in a baby, which makes more sense. I don't know.
0: I like the. One that's got the guy who played Harold from Twin Peaks and Bud Court as a computer that's trying to rule his life and I'm if you have you I seen don't, this don't movie?
1: I remember that one.
0: Oh my god, it's wonderful. Anyway, it's it's it's, it's a rom-com. It's great. I'll send you guys a link for it. I'll okay. look it up and
1: <laughs> and start it. But um, but
0: that one's fun. That one's like computer comes into the yeah. real world voiced by Bud Court It's great.
1: I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, I I uh once again quickly just because uh we had a little time this morning turned on while i had my breakfast old tron and forgot that like yeah the plot makes a lot more sense it's a lot there's like a wizard of oz kind of element because everyone in the computer has an outside the computer person uh and like a lot of what the computer is doing is actually evil outside as well uh and then also the fact that it's like religious like it's users versus it's Mm -hmm. very much uh, the interesting thing is i also wonder how much tron legacy got kind of scooped by reboot Mm -hmm. 'Cause I feel like yeah. Reboot is very much like the good sequel to Tron almost. Yeah. Oh, I'm you with get, you. You
2: get a sense with this that this isn't the film they set out to make. Because no. why is Killian Murphy in this film <laughs> yeah. as a villain <laughs> for, for twenty five second. seconds? Yeah. He clearly has a much larger role that was completely and I haven't seen any writing on this. Maybe mm, you no. have it, Becky. What Honestly, is going on? Because they're setting up sequels.
1: Yeah. That's what's I think happening. Hundred
0: percent. Yeah. There was an investment in this. Was going to be an enormous hit, an enormous franchise. And so from the very beginning, it's the same thing they did with Marvel. Well, they didn't own Marvel then, but it's the same thing yeah. that happened with Marvel, where like characters show up, we're like, oh my god, it's going to become blank, and there it's those little Easter eggs. He's in the
1: sequels. Yeah, so it's like a weird. That makes sense. There's a lot, and it is weird. Yeah, again, there is no like real world bad guy per per se, it's uh, kind of unusual. Uh, And then also the fact that it's like, I don't know, the the ending of this also, you're just like, what's the what? I
2: I do want to just signal that um, I didn't grow up. I think I I have memories of Tron existing in my childhood because it was in pop culture, Mm -hmm. even if it was a failure. You know, it was an instant cult classic, but also, like, popular culture talked about all the time, whether that was The Simpsons. But when I sat down as an adult, and I was very lucky because I do think this still exists, but um, Disney has one 70-millimeter print left of Mm. Tron, the original Tron. And they showed it at TIFF, and, you know, I was like, oh, they showed it, like, a matinee on a weekday during March break for Mm. kids, which I was like, that's not how we (laughs) schedule films, folks. (laughs) But I, I took, I, like, came down with my lunch and like yeah. watched Tron with like 10 other people. Wow. Seeing that in 70 with surround sound mm. and it was a, a 70 print that contained an incredible soundtrack um, that was, would have been cutting edge in 82. Yeah. Got it. Like I got what they were trying to do in 82 with Disney and animation. And it, it's sad because I think people can't experience Tron the way it was meant to be experienced. And I'm not sure the filmmakers who made Tron Legacy experienced Tron the way it was meant to be experienced because they miscalculated.
1: It's very interesting. We talked about Joseph Kaczynski and he's very much um, just like a work for hire. I I, I think he, he has a good background for it. But the Mm -hmm. thing is, he was kind of like, this is his first movie. Uh, He worked in video games and advertising. Uh, He was quite, his movie Oblivion, the one that follows this, was quite hot. And he was prepping Oblivion. And I think Disney was very interested in him doing either the Black Hole or Tron. And they were kind of making him choose between. Uh, And he chose Tron. But it really was up to the screenwriters. Because he's like, oh, I, I didn't really care for Tron. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's interesting because he, he has this background of architecture and stuff, and he,
2: which works.
1: Yeah. That actually works. I think. Uh, I still, I don't know. It still doesn't look good though, compared to what like the no, old. I one. think it does. I mean? uh, yeah? in, in
0: moments, I think okay. it's way too dark. In a moments. Movie. Yeah. Um, but I want to come back to the screen screenwriters just for a second here because I think a lot of the blame does land on them because sure. they don't like Tron either. Oh, I
1: thought that and they did. A,
0: well, what are they doing really at really. the table no. then? Yeah. <laughs> so this is Edward <laughs> Kistis and. Adam Horowitz, <laughs> whose names might sound familiar because they do a bunch yes. of Disney stuff. The issue becomes is that they don't understand the world. And it's too complex for just one film. And they're not doing a thing, which a lot of things, which they know they're going to have a franchise, mm-hmm. is they keep the origin story nice and simple. They set up a couple little building blocks. And then they move on to the next one where the world gets more and more complex. That doesn't <sighs> happen here. Here, no. they're just like, yeah. here is everything you, you yeah. and they, on like nine
2: different plot lines and another story. And there's just yeah. too it's much going on. Though, because, and I'm going to disagree a bit with Cam, I think there's certain sequences, at least, of this film that look incredible i did go see this in theaters i saw it in 3d i'm not a huge even back in 2010 not a big fan of 3d in a cinema usually because the bulb has to be so much dimmer that you're losing the quality of the picture i think there's scenes of this especially in the end of the line club is that what it's called Mm. the club that um, michael sheen michael sheen you know with playing zeus and some of the stuff with the three muses and i think it's stunning like absolutely i i'm all there for Daft Punk. I love that Daft Punk who did the soundtrack for this and appear as themselves in their helmets at this <laughs> club. bossed around by it's David evil, Bowie come maybe. Michael Sheen. It's <laughs> funny, but what doesn't make sense is that um, for 1982, Tron was quite cutting edge in how it discussed... Things like virtual reality yeah. that were kind of you know new in its inception and becoming the commonplace. The video an games and was completely yeah avatars, unknown, right? pixelization, mm-hmm. digitization. The idea of like not every family had a home gaming system in 1982. This was this was just starting to happen. So where is that commentary for 2010? Yeah, it's, like they're still stuck in the 80s, oh, yeah. and it's like there's there's a scene where Jeff Bridges is like oh, like his son's telling him about Wi-Fi and he's like, Uh oh, I invented that in 85. And it's like go beyond wi-fi like what is the 2010 commentary
1: a very weird i think like there's kind of two aspects of what you're talking about there one is that like i think that they had a lot of like super cutting edge artists like you said the soundtrack or the original is wendy carlos and all the designs are mobius so it's like they really had the top artists working at the time uh, which is why it looks and i think sounds so much more interesting not that like death punk is interesting and there's a couple of great tracks but i think a lot of people would say that this is kind of the worst Daft Punk album because it's just trying oh, to yeah, do sure. movie music. But uh, but the other weird thing, like you say, is a lot of people do comment that it, it loses the track of what a computer is like in the modern era altogether. Mm. Like, it's weird that it's old. And the other weird thing is like, the original is about video games. And this one is really barely about video games and it doesn't take into mm-hmm. account what modern video games are like. And also the other thing that kept Tron alive for the most part is video game adaptations. There was a great arcade game. great point. Uh, And yeah, there was yeah. before what kind of got interest back is there's this video game Tron 2.0, which literally involves tr- like all- being on the internet <laughs> and like, uh, you know, you have to fight a virus that an evil company has put in the computer. And it's like, yeah, you almost should have just adapted that because it at least accounts for everything yeah
2: i get though why like i was saying this earlier when we were just talking offline like if if you were five years old and you saw this film i Mm. do get why tron legacy has a cult following i'm not defending it um i looked forward to watching this again even though i knew i disliked it intensely the first time i saw it there's something about the visuals that pull me in even if they're empty it's like empty calories i kind of don't care like I, I think if you could watch this super high or... Um... <laughs> Like maybe that's the way to go about it, but not for not for kids, yeah, not for five minutes. But, but um, I get why there's a cult following of yeah. kids who grew up with this as their Tron, in yeah. the same way in eighty two, kids who grew up with eighty two Tron started adopting it as you know a forgotten Disney cult classic. And I think that, I do see. Yeah, it. I
1: think that that's fine. What I don't get is there's like a real Christopher Nolan bro people that think that this is like so aesthetically beautiful. And oh, I didn't realize I don't that. Get okay. that. I, I think that there's no, people yeah. that just think this is a good movie, which I don't agree. It's with. It's
2: not. No. it's not by any. <laughs> but I but Tron, Tron isn't either me too. Yeah, I'm defending Tron 82, would, but it's yeah. not a good movie. I would,
1: no, yeah, for I sure. I I mean, there's a reason why The Simpsons say, hey, did you ever see that b- boring movie Tron? But I do think <laughs> yeah. it's also, Tron is also much more, if you want to get stoned and watch a movie, original Tron is yeah. much better. But
0: I think what's yeah. interesting is they didn't know, even when they went to market this, why they were remaking yeah. Tron? Like, I, I yeah. think that's part of the thing is that, like we have this oh, yeah. IP. Let's see if we can make something with it. Because even when they announced it, they were like, "We know everybody knows Tron for like the visuals, but why people really love it is for the story." And it's like, no. <laughs> name one single yeah. character no, from yeah. that movie.
2: <laughs> like, yeah. Go right ahead. Yeah, and it's then, almost like and, Disney was lost in '82 and Disney was lost in 2010. Yeah. If you look at those as parallel tracks, I actually think Disney in 2010 is going through the same identity crisis that it was in '82. It's so, and they don't, you know, this is. 20 12 years out, we now can reflect back. They didn't know it at the time because, you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise was their number one Mm -hmm. entity. It was dying. Um, They had nothing. They had nothing. It's also a film that
0: for me feels so, trying so hard to be cool. Right. Yeah. Like, is yeah. this anti-corporate? Is this anti-technology? Yeah. Why is th- there is an LGBTQ character? But of course, they're the turncoat, you know. And uh, I yeah. think the other the biggest issue I have is with the way the women are treated in this, because oh, the original Tron, crazy. she is it's dressed terrible. the same as everybody else is. She plays the game yeah. the same way everybody mm-hmm. else does. Like, there is no differentiating between like female a, and male characters. And there's like a
1: woman outside who is a significant programmer. Like, there's a third yeah. character who is a woman who just she's erased I-
2: I could be wrong, but I don't think there's a single female board member in the no, beginning of the film. Does. Maybe there's one or two, but like <laughs> it's it's this 2010 out of context. Like, of course, yeah. there should be women oh, yeah. treated more three-dimensionally, ironically, three-dimensionally. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Olivia Wilde, you know, she's got this Louise Brooks haircut that's like asymmetrical. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just so ironic, too, that she would be in a film like this. And I think watching some of the interviews she did, she was really doing her best to promote it. She'd be in a film like this with such a one-dimensional character and then become, I think, a very important vanguard female director for, Mm -hmm. like... Mm-hmm. our our current generation maybe that's part of this
1: oh i, the, you know, I, yeah, the, like, I think it's part origin of story yeah because i think she if you look it's very interesting because you're kind of like well this is kind of her big coming out and you're like no because mm. she like she had a lot of what should have been her launch but it was always kind of mm-hmm. bad projects so i think that I, I truly do think she became a director because she was tired even though she doesn't often direct herself except for i think that movie coming out but the yeah, current one yes she uh yeah I don't know.
0: But there's also a way they're introducing these women characters and these female characters, which is it- paralleled in the Marvel oh, movies. Crazy. Like you think about the introduction of Black Widow, where the camera every single yeah. time is on her ha- on her ass, boobs, right? Ass, That's ass, what the yeah. ah, boobs, yeah. ass. Yeah. She's got that crazy ex-
1: porn wig in the first movie too.
0: Exactly. They do the exact same <laughs> oh, thing here, crazy. right? Where it's when focusing on of her body parts. When they come of those
1: sarcophaguses that have boobs, like it's yeah. this movie is actually nuts. And I do like that a lot of people are like, if this was made two years later, Olivia Wilde would be his daughter and like it would be yeah. a girl like it's it is kind of weird that it's such a specific moment in time where there's not a lot of uh, like characters of color there is not a lot of women like the other thing that there, there just aren't a lot of women at all like when it, the, like i think <laughs> even when he's in the arena in the old one he's fighting women now and again like yeah, some, some of the programs women. are women uh you know
0: but there's some interesting stuff going on like in terms of technology at this time that I kind of wish they'd gone on to. Like, this is the exact same year that they put Mark Zuckerberg as the person of the year for Time magazine. Um, yeah. And they were, they kind of presented him as like the savior of the digital age. And he was a semi-Buddhist. He wasn't interested in money. He loved Just being such around a people. a nice guy. Exactly. Yeah. He's <laughs> dreamed, and they, they quoted him, his dream was to turn the lonely antisocial world of random chance into a friendly yes. world, a serendipitous world, which is like, why didn't you focus on something about a character like that who turns evil, which is inevitable. Yeah. Or like is trying I mean, to do that with we, all their
1: best interests we you need know, it, and then it uh, turns on them. The social network, I guess, <laughs> to, to, yeah. to tell us this guy's actually an asshole.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting just coming back to your comment, Cam, about how it's a lot of the Nolan bros um, who have adopted this as like a great film and I call them neckbeard cinema bros um, sure, but sure. I yeah. think there is a certain element of like incel, 4chan like love potentially of this kind of story it's it's really it's almost like it was made in the 1930s <laughs> except it's yeah. incredibly cutting edge in its technology yeah. that I could see really appealing to the Zuckerberg you know crowd sure. yeah, yeah. very um, disenfranchised white men yes. but what they've Clicked into here from
0: my understanding is the mythos of Steve Jobs at the time because yes. Steve Jobs, yes. of course, many people don't know, in the '80s he lost Apple, they fired him, and then they then then they were failing, so they brought yeah. him back, and he's the one who brought them back with like everything needs to be simple, and then he got this like mythos of being this infallible god, god yeah, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's kind of what they're trying to do with him and Clue and Kevin yeah, Flynn, like it's it, supposed to yeah. be both sides of the same. Which I get, it but- makes sense more too, of that. More
1: got, of that. He's then. got that tech bro like boot is like it's all there's this weird boot thing that barely works throughout <laughs> about sacrificing yourself. Well, he's
2: just yourself. the dude! Like, yeah. it's Jeff Bridges, but he's just the dude. Yes.
0: Clue figures if I can be in... He can be out? With my disc, it's possible. And then what? Game over. The guy doesn't dig imperfection
2: talks about like his buzz and yeah. like his aura like it's ridiculous.
1: it's obviously I, I mean he, ju- he just won the Oscar so it's obviously because yeah. that's the other thing is like Bruce... is that
2: for Crazy Heart yeah
1: for Crazy Heart yeah. like yeah. Bruce Boxleitner is kind of sort of the main character of like Tron is the main character of Tron wild thing and Tron is in this but barely because they, they don't want to spend money on uh, de-aging Bruce Boxleitner I think so he mostly has a he helmet on. He looks great. He does look great. You don't need no, to de-age him. just put and he looks like himself he's one of those people that aged kind of just yeah like like stretch his skin back with some tape and he'll be young again uh but yeah so that's that's kind of a weird aspect too um so but jeff bridges takes over and i think jeff bridges you know he's also in iron man as like an evil tech person so i don't know it's it, it's weird. I think that they misuse almost all the actors because it's like, yeah, the, the, there's a lot of the humor is missing in this movie. And I think Olivia Wilde can be quite funny. And Michael Sheen mm-hmm. is obviously making it work with humor. I think Garrett Hedlund is one of those unfortunate guys where it's like he's incredibly handsome, but he's much better as a character actor that kind of shows up and steals a scene or two. And he's better yeah. as like a rat faced, sweaty, you know, long hair <laughs> creep, uh, not the fresh faced man.
2: Oh, that
0: Michael Sheen character! To Michael Sheen's credit, he is finding jokes where there are no jokes. Mm. He is yeah. bringing personality where there is no <laughs> Doing personality, a little Charlie like Charlie Chaplin
1: he... walk with his cane. It's yeah.
0: wonderful. The son of Flynn, of all the innumerable possibilities, he has to walk into mine.
1: Libations for everybody! <laughs>
2: He's He was a big fan of Tron and his agent oh. was like, do not go into that meeting with Disney and say you're a big fan of Tron because they're going to pay you less. Make them work for it. Like he was like, I yeah. will do this for oh, free. Yeah. Tron was his number <laughs> one this, film, which I'm yeah. like, good for him because he owns this I mean, film because yeah. he's the most memorable part. He shows up and you feel like you're yes. breathing again.
1: This is yes. the era of Michael Sheen also. Like the weird thing is you're like, well, you know, Jeff Bridges was coming off this Oscar Boo, and it's like Michael Sheen uses Oscar Boom to be like, I'm gonna be in Underworld and Twilight and Thirty Rock. <laughs> like I'm gonna play Wesley <laughs> Snipes in Thirty Rock. Apparently. Like, yeah, he just does whatever. He, but and he also managed to like he plays a bad vampire in like nine movies, but you're still always like, Fuck yes, one. Michael Sheen is the bad vampire. I wanna see this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right something we should talk about here before we before we go anywhere i know we're giving him the love this of course was retooled to be in 3d mm. because of the giant 3d boom and we should get into that just for a second because it's something very unique to like 2009 2010 2011
1: yeah. gone mm-hmm. and i think mm-hmm. that that's where where probably joseph kaczynski shines too because he has this background he's actually still an adjunct professor of architecture which is interesting so i think he, I think he really yeah and i i, I wish it came across more here. I don't know. I mean, the the structures are cool and stuff because it sounds like he was very hands-on in the special effects, which is very unusual. So yeah, I mean, there's care to it for sure. It it has a vision. But yeah, it's so I think there's something interesting there. And I bet you, like you say, Alicia, that it was very, I can't remember if I saw this in theaters or not, but I bet it was pretty breathtaking.
2: Yeah, it was. I think it was more breathtaking if you saw it not in 3D because of the reasons I kind Mm. of mentioned before that, especially that era of 2010, you would have to sacrifice the colors To see it in 3D, so it looked like very gray and very dim. True of Pixar, I remember seeing Up in 3D and then seeing it the next day in non-3D and was like, wow, what a disservice this bullshit technology (laughs) is doing to cinema. Um, You know, and this is also the era where Cineplexes realized that they could like not put their bulb on the full volume and then that they would save money. So you're just seeing this like darkened version of the film yeah i would i mean if you know what if tron legacy were back in cinemas like in, in let's say a tiff light box something where i can i know that bulb is the Mm. right level i would go because i do think this is an experience and i don't know when i'm ever going to get a chance to see that 70 print of tron again well
1: requested at your local 70 millimeter cinema i suppose (laughs) your local (laughs) Cinesphere or what have you
0: I think what's so interesting to me is that they looked at Avatar because Avatar mm. is what started the 3D boom and they said you know what people loved about this movie the 3D. Like that's sure. really what made this movie the mega hit but that I mean, it was. But I mean it's also
1: nuts that this yeah. one was was post create like that that's nuts to me. Like why was this not like yeah. Avatar? created with yeah, three dimensions why would they do in this mind. in the beginning and I mean that's kind of what yeah, original Tron was created as again right like and the interesting thing is like I do I don't want to give this too much flack for not pushing technology because I do feel like at the time that dh uh jeff bridges as uncanny as it can feel was amazing like that that was mm-hmm. we hadn't seen that we're now pretty used to it that's de-aged. what they sold it we, on you' kind seen
2: it you'd seen the opposite with Benjamin oh, true Button. true so, like, And better like, probably. so it was like it's the same yeah. it's the this same company the, the that crew. did it yeah and yeah. that's yeah.
0: Yeah how they introduced that's how they announced the movie at mm. comic-con was they just showed a quick it's, little trailer of yeah. the car rolling up and him getting out and he was it, dh jeff ridges uh, people were like oh fun. my you God. can look
1: it up it's called t2 oh, no tr2n you can uh, google that on youtube it's a different special clip they made to sell it and the other funny thing is again yeah they sold it and they're like, Kaczynski, you're on. And he's like, my what? <laughs> like, they hadn't written. He admits, he actually is very candid about it and it's very interesting because he admits, yeah, he they hadn't had a script. They sold it literally on that trailer. And then when people went nuts, they were like, okay. And like Jeff Bridges apparently really loved Tron and, and was really excited to do another mm-hmm. Tron. But yeah, he kind of says, I don't know. And, and then he also says that, like, uh, will there ever be another one? Because, like you said, Becky, this made a lot of money. Uh, and it had a lot of merch. And again, it had Crazy it had more. Uh, it had cartoon spin offs. It had more video games, which apparently aren't as good as Trump but 2.0. Uh, but then he's also like, Joseph Kaczynski is like, this was, like you were saying, Alicia, this was a time where. You know Disney's always obsessed with intellectual property, but this was all they had. They were going back and forth between yeah. two failure films, Black Hole and Tron, and uh, yeah. yeah, and then so now he's like, now they have so much intellectual property. Why the hell would they ever go back to Tron? I
2: mean, at least they didn't reboot a live action as a Black Cauldron. Oh, you know what, <laughs>
1: <At> <laughs> Alicia, I mean, If you do that, I'm the there. Right. Are they doing as it? a as a childhood fan of the Pride and Chronicles, you're always like, why hasn't anyone taken a swing at this? And it's because Disney mm. Disney's sitting on it because they hmm. know it could be something
2: that would i would be do it. It. get t- get tim burton to yeah. direct that that is a real 360 <laughs>
0: <laughs> not that i'm telling people that they need to experience movies in like other forms but all i'm oh, saying is oh but i did is just that- say yes. that earlier so that's true <laughs> there is a roller coaster in shanghai disney mm. and there's yeah. about to be one in a disney world based on tron that is extremely cool and if you go on yeah. youtube you can see it i'm not saying give disney your money you go to disney world it's a very expensive cost prohibitive thing but it is extremely neat to see what I they- mean,
2: I've never been to world. I've, Mm. you know, growing up in Southern California, I lived at land. But um, when I I would probably go to world just for what I know about that Tron coaster in Shanghai, it's considered like in the top Mm. 10 um, in terms of like both thrilling coasters and what it does, but visuals and how it's designed. It's like next like another I'll say ride, if, if any
1: if any of you out there are broke like me and interested in these rides, there's quite often ride-through videos that are really good. I, I've done the Shanghai Beauty and the Beast one is amazing, too.
0: Have you seen the Shanghai Pirates of the Caribbean? No.
1: I su- Dude, I su- go, they have, the go yeah, they have the crazy animatronics. Yeah, oh, they have the crazy animatronics. It's
0: not just the animatronics. There's like screen animation. Oh, you go underwater man. with the galleons and like, it's nuts, yeah. man. You I need don't to like see this writing.
2: Thing. I don't like watching those because I want to be so surprised mm. when, when I- When are hopefully... you going to Shanghai? <laughs> not anytime soon, but when I, you know what? When I went to Euro Disney- I mean, I should say Disneyland yeah. Paris. It's not called no. Euro Disney. They had Captain EO, and I had never oh, seen wow. Captain EO. And <laughs> I was like, this is, oh my God, Angelica Houston's in Captain EO? Like, I had no idea. Like, it's very
1: That's exciting.
0: True. Well, speaking of other thrills, we should move on to our next film It's Predators. Does it kill us? We're going to find out after the break. As we mentioned previously, there were a couple of franchise remake/slash reboot attempts in 2010 that failed to take off. The Wolfman, Nightmare on Elm Street, and The Karate Kid all arrived and left with little steam on the backs of the box office giants behind them. The difficulty of the reboot, or in this case, a story that occurs in the same universe, is that audiences have certain expectations of what's going to happen, and it's up to the filmmaker/slash studio to simultaneously play into those expectations while upping the ante to make this film modern and edgy. Well, 2010's Predators does exactly that. Katana battles anyone, and it made another ton of money. All the surviving cast members and the filmmakers wanted to make a sequel. They still do. However, we're going to get into that. Alicia,
2: you love Predators. You love it so much. I do. And I'm not saying it's like, I don't think it's a phenomenally great film. I just think very much unlike Tron, it was written directed and produced by people who live and breathe mm-hmm. that original Predator film from 87. Yeah. And I think to some extent, the sequel, which is very good in my eyes from 1990, they they love this franchise. They love it. They respect it. And I think they got it really right on a very low budget. Yeah. Um, they really got the mythology right. And interestingly enough, and I think maybe some people would disagree with me, sort of righted some wrongs that had happened to the Predator mythology through the AVP, um, which are coming before mm-hmm. it. You have AV- Alien versus Predator, and then Alien versus Predator Requiem is like 2007, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I actually love AVP. Like, I'm not that person <laughs> who hates AVP, but a lot of people do. This is, this is as true to the original 87 Schwarzenegger as I think you can get while still being cutting-edge and relevant for a twenty ten audience, um, it's it's the casting is interesting at times, maybe questionable, and then at other times, if we're talking about Danny Trejo. Perfect, uh, And Walter, Walton Goggins, mm. who this is an early role for Walton Goggins, who might have been unjustified I think at this point. maybe. Like, I think so. Uh, not known as no. he is now as the righteous gemstones.
1: And, as you know, this as, character and everything. In, everything yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. I do want to say as we go in, Danny Trejo is in this movie because he <laughs> knew there was a script going around that was written by with Robert Rodriguez that was doing it. He had been doing Machete and uh, apparently in the script it says a Danny Trejo type. And he called him up and was like, I hear you got a script with a Danny Trejo type. Guess what? What? I'm a Danny Trejo type. <laughs> so good. So, yeah, I, I so think, so I it, don't think it's a love. spoiler.
2: He gets killed off quite early. It's a very gruesome, but well and it's done so scene in cool. horror. Yeah. And I think it's brilliant. But I'm sure maybe even Rodriguez is like, oh, he's not going to take this if he's only in the first 15 minutes of the film. But I think he's one of the most memorable parts and of the film. also works because he has such a
0: distinct voice. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. He's also a real life convict. And that's what he's playing in this. And he's very open about that and um, his life in prison. And so it just kind of it's very believable. Um, But I will get into the plot. Not that it matters too much. But we are just dropped literally (laughs) into the story because the opening shot is Adrian Brody um, plummeting. In the sky, like no idea who he's been thrown out of an airplane. Um, He lands in a jungle, doesn't know where he is. Um, And then another guy plummets from the sky. And there are parachutes. Um, They see a guy in a parachute that didn't make it. (laughs) His body's chute didn't open. Um, And they're landing on this planet. Uh, Well, at the point they don't, they think it's Earth, but spoiler, it's not. Um, And it's there. It's a group of people that are like either mercenaries, uh, notorious like killers that have been in prison and all like very effective killers. And Topher Grace from that <laughs> 70s show. So right away, they're like, who? He's a doctor, apparently. This is also um, his Miley Cyrus moment, right? Yeah. Because
0: he's he's yeah. doing Venom in uh, Spider-Man 3. Like, they're trying yeah. to get him out of that. Uh, that What is it? Tom Foreman? What's I don't remember the kid's name. But yeah, the, the, that Eric 70s Foreman. show. Eric. Um,
2: yeah. You know, and this is a film called Predators, um, which is both throwback to the fact that the second film was called aliens Mm -hmm. and the alien franchise and all it was, was more of them. Um, not all, I mean, aliens is a different film and I love it, but like, this is, I think in a way where predator two, which takes place in New York city with Danny Glover. And I love that film. I'm sorry, Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. not New York city, where the predators come to earth to Mm -hmm. hunt. And it, you know, I I do think it's great, but this is kind of more what the traditional sequel to the 87 predator should be. Um, and they have you know they eventually figure out that they are not on earth they figure out that planes or ships are dropping other alien life forms to hunt them and also other alien life forms like themselves are being hunted there's a lot of throwbacks here my favorite throwback which um, we have a, a film fact or an on film on predator on our youtube page for hollywood suite maybe a film fact about how the original predator was jean-claude van damme for like Two weeks of the initial filming in '87 in the jungle with John McTiernan, JCVD, and he had he had no Hollywood roles. And that at that time, the creature looked very different. It was almost like a giant anteater. eater. Uh-huh. Um, and so, in one of the alien life forms that they encounter, it's that creature. It's like a. There's so many Easter eggs that um, I we haven't said the director's name, Nimrod Intel, who I think is incredibly talented. He and he had had some really interesting Hungarian films and Hollywood films um, prior to this. He. He gets it. Like, he's watching that movie Predator over and over again and really just, like, making this – not to the point where you're just counting the references. Like, Mm. you know, the first time I saw Predators, I didn't know that JCVD story and that that creature we saw that's incredibly well done with special effects was the original Predator. It's only now that doing the research – it just works. Um, I'm not saying this is a great film. It works really well as a B film. It came out late in the summer. My memory was it was an August release. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's not the high budget that you expect that Fox would pump into Alien films and Predator films. It it does a lot with very little, and I think it's really effective as a thriller.
0: I love this one as well. I think this is um, as close as you can get to what a legacy sequel slash reboot should be do in building yeah. up the okay. world but giving you new people to follow and but not changing anything up too much so you're like no that's not how this yeah. works so still like being cool with everybody and giving you new people to root for and also i mean i understand most of the people of color die here but like this is a pretty diverse yeah. cast which i'm
2: extremely pleased with yeah i love alice alice braga's in it and Amazing. she's really in the tradition of that very strong female character in the original predator she's sort of the 2010 version of that and um Adrian Brody as an action star is an interesting choice I think he works I think much like Nimrod and Tell and Robert Rodriguez he loves Predator, so he was trying to like apparently he was trying to like sneak in Arnold Schwarzenegger (laughs) one-liners and like and Tell was like you can't do that (laughs) you're not you're Adrian Brody like you're not and he was weirdly
1: jacked at the time too that was like a weird thing yeah he's jacked
0: in a way where you're like this isn't jacked in a way I don't believe this man who yeah. does this job would be jacked. Yeah. He looks appropriately jacked yeah, for yeah, what yeah. his profession Yeah, because he's also like be. he's
1: he's a the, the, I mean he's famous for being the skinniest skeletal man. So yeah. he's as jacked as that skinny skeletal man could be. And I also think it was a time where we didn't really have the beefy action stars, you know. They kind of went away for a no. while.
0: How much of what we are seeing in 2010 is reactionary to Batman Begins being what it was. Sure. Right? <laughs> and this is now how we do origin stories. This mm. is how we play our heroes. Because, I mean, you cannot tell me Christian Bale isn't, or Christian Bale's voice isn't oh, coming out yes, of Yes, Especially toward like, the end. Like, 100% that's what he's doing. Yeah. Where are you going?
1: To high ground.
0: We need to stick together.
2: And you should follow me.
0: It gets a little too gravelly for my personal
2: taste of like, oh, that's put on, dude. Just yeah. just talk like people. I agree with you, but I think that's all part of the B film yeah. sort of, you know, shtick. Um, this is a film that does not pretend to be anything. It isn't. No. no. And I really respect that because if you, you know, if you're listening to this episode... 2010 was a year where films pretended to be things they were not. Yes. And I think this film understood that it was going to be released in late summer. It understood that it was not going to be a blockbuster, that it was going to be for the fans and the, you know, the dates that are going to go out at 10 p.m. and see the late show of this. And it it nailed that. It Mm -hmm. nailed that. And I think I was just very excited, you know, much like Alien. And it's not that I'm not a fan of it. It's a necessary evil, but you have to keep – Evolving the monster, right? Like, alien to aliens with a queen to a dog alien Mm. to a weird, Ripley human alien to. I could go on. And that happened to Predator 2 through um, the AVP franchise. And to some extent, the second Predator. Super Predator. predator. (laughs) Exactly. Like, really. AVP Requiem is really bad. Even I cannot redeem that (laughs) film. But um, if you
1: pretend it's not a Predator movie, it's kind of fine.
2: It's a great Christmas film. Um, But. this is just the og predator from 87 in yeah. terms of the stan winston it's stan winston right the effects, uh yeah
1: like, it's, it's a different crew uh because i believe stan but winston it is the was, stan it, yeah. winston house
2: he gets credit for designing yeah. it but like it's 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 him it's just it's this it, it's the same guy and yes there is a we find out in this film that there's warring factions of predators mm-hmm. so there is another predator that's like the predator's predator yeah. <laughs> that's more of a scary, like, kind of different race of predator. I'm fine with that. As long as you give me the original guy in the rubber suit and he's super vaginal and scary (laughs) and he's got the green blood and he's, you know... He's tall, but he's not, like, 12 feet tall. He's, like, Sorry. 6 foot 8. I'm good. Uh...
0: Yeah. As this is the last episode of the season, I have to include an e-bird snippet because I've been loving them all season long. Mm-hmm. And this one, he did not like the creature designs at all. And specifically the dog creatures, he mm-hmm. had a big mm-hmm. issue with them existing. So his response was, here comes some really vicious warthog-looking creatures. They weigh about half a ton apiece, move as fast as lions, and have so many horns and spikes sticking out of them that fornicating must have had to have been a sometime thing. Like, come <laughs> on. Come on, Just suspension of disbelief. Sure. No one is thinking well, about these creatures. He'll yeah. be
1: happy it, that it Shane Black ride. redesigned yeah. them to be different kinds of dogs oh, in his terrible, terrible sequel. And yeah, we don't need to talk, talk about the about Shane about Black. The Black. Yeah, line, like I—that
2: is a—I will say this: that is a film much like Ishtar. That if you can watch the first thirty minutes, sure. pretty much perfect. <laughs> yes. Then
1: just leave. Yes. I, I actually don't. Believe I also think about Ishtar. it's famously one that nobody was pleased with. Like I don't think it's one that that Shane Black came out happy with.
0: Well, at Ugh. what point did they think that autism is a superpower was going to fly? I mean,
1: eighties. I guess it's it's the eighties again. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, I,
2: I yeah I don't want to get down to a tandem, but I, I was there for that premiere and, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Speak, okay, so speaking
0: of reboots, so this had languished for a long time because, like, I think it's, like, what, 89 for Predators 2, and then they do, like, 90, AVP yeah. and all that. So um, what's wild to me is that no one had any faith in this reboot. Like, no one ever mm-hmm. seems to want to reboot Predator. They're like, well, guess it's time to dust off Predator. So they <sighs> had Rodriguez do a treatment for this in 94. Five and yeah. thank God that that one didn't happen because that one happened on the home planet of the Predators where they had imported the Schwarzenegger Netuja. character, mm-hmm. yes, of Dutch. Of course, I love <laughs> that you know this. They imported Dutch and Dutch was like in for gladiatorial games and apparently mm-hmm. like the Predators were like swigging their alien beer and they had. Are you telling me you wouldn't watch
2: that? I
0: would watch it, but I don't know if I would and like I mean, it. I think an, I would sit there in awe. I, I,
1: I understand that, like a lot of the bones of that script are this film though aren't they
0: yeah. yes yeah, yeah, yes, the other yes, the other absolutely. planet. So when they they found out that Rodriguez, after because ninety five was when Rodriguez was just kind of coming out, mm-hmm. and so when um, the producers who took on, I guess I guess these producers who had done some ill were like, here, please enjoy the Predator franchise, see what you can do with it. They found out Rodriguez had written a tri- treatment. They looked at it and said, well, we don't have the budget for this. So what can you do? And I think they had to rewrite it like six or seven times so they could mm-hmm. find something that would be okay and actually mm-hmm. fit in the budget, which they. Like this is as close
2: to perfect as you get. I have to give Rodriguez a lot of credit because he stuck with it. Yeah. You know, this is the love of a franchise. Like he didn't jump ship. He doesn't direct it, but he was very involved. And I think he personally chose Nimrod and Tell, mm-hmm. and that was a brilliant choice. Cause that was not this is not a person who had done monster movies in no, the past or but giant he's action films.
0: Amazing with um violence in on a budget that looks yes. amazing. Have you seen Vacancy? Vacancy yes. is yeah, yeah, brutal. And you compare no, this, this movie to that perfect- movie and you're like Proof of concept. Perfect
2: choice of a director and yeah. I know he's got, he went on to do a Metallica sort of like yeah. concert doc but also has elements of fiction. He's an interesting guy. He um, does Stranger Things now. He's got a couple yeah. episodes of Stranger oh, Things Oh I didn't know belt. that, yeah. that yeah. and that makes perfect the
1: sense. the M. Night Shyamalan show Servant I think is a lot him uh, as well. But yeah I think uh, also Alicia and I would probably recommend uh, a friend of the show Brendan Ross showed on his birthday Control his first film which is mm. very cool. Brendan
2: loves that film. Tough
1: to find yeah. but it's this very bizarre Hungarian. Subway action movie. Uh, That's totally cool.
0: Okay. I don't like to poke holes in things, but this one I have to ask you guys. How did the Predators know that Topher Grace is a serial killer?
1: I mean, I think that the, um, the, my from my ex-
2: was he in jail, maybe or like in no, a psychiatric no, no. ward. I, think he was just I don't out think doing so.
1: It. If if I am to b- to believe my uh, various predator uh, media, uh, your Batman's versus Predator, for instance, that I th- I think that the predators are implanted a bit on Earth, also just like watching for the best people. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I do recommend if anybody has '80s comics to dig up the old Batman versus Predator. It's pretty good. It has a lot of good predator lore um superman versus aliens mm-hmm. not so good uh but uh you still have those <laughs> copies uh, yeah probably somewhere but i'd have to go to edmonton at your mom and dad's yeah, yeah. house can you go okay. get them next yeah, time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, i, I wonder back. if i have the full series but it was good
2: because i will i will take those off your hands or borrow them there's
1: probably a new put together of it because i think yeah. it was quite respected yeah, like a compendium. yeah it looked beautiful too and it was a great you know yeah batman versus predator and of course do the predators respect batman or is he the greatest prey i don't know hmm. Uh
0: That's actually a good question. If you are pairing up any of these, that one makes more sense than Punisher versus Archie. So I will give
1: them that. (laughs) I'm sure Punisher fought the Predator. They all fought the Predator. They must have. But it's, uh, yeah, I I think for the most part, it's the thought that they are really on Earth all the time, kind of waiting and watching and trying to find the Dutch.
2: Yeah. Like AVP has that because the Mayan Incan Aztec (laughs) culture are, the gods are actually Predator, which kind of let's not get into the indigenous aspect of AVP because I think it's really problematic for 2003. Also, that having been said, we are we are recording this before Prey comes out, so none of us have seen Prey. I am. So excited, but I'm also reminding myself of how excited I was for AVP Requiem Mm. in that I brought my family to it on Christmas Day, which was the day that it opened. (laughs) I mean, the thing with both... I got to keep my expectations in check. However, I think the consensus at this time before it's premiered is Generally
1: positive, yeah. I I will say, too, that the thing I always remind people when you're talking about Alien and Predator as IP is like, these are these are franchises that have uh, one to two great movies and then, then it's up to you <laughs> user. What do you I enjoy? Agree. Cause I, I would say I that agree. this is the best Predator sequel uh, by I quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and then though, I, I think two is beautifully shot and has a great performance by Danny Glover and interesting lore. Yeah. Two's cool. But it's kind of a weird mess. And it's also kind of, when you were talking about some like upsetting, like it's kind of upsettingly racist in weird ways, um, <laughs> even though it stars a black actor. It's very,
2: it's, it's very anti drug. Yes, I mean, the Predator true. does come and string up a bunch of drug yes. dealers that are pushing smack <laughs> to children. Of, so a bunch kind of, of nice.
0: Jamaican Who are also gangsters. Deeply,
1: deeply <laughs> yeah. racist. Where yeah. it's like, oh my, I, I like, mean, is like, fighting them, yeah. so there's that. There but, are
2: arguments that yeah. Predator, I don't want to get too into the weeds here, sure. but like Predator has the dreads, there's some uh, elements yeah, there. It was Stan like, Winston,
1: I believe, uh, yeah, he, he, uh, Rastafarian. Rastafarian Warrior is what he's based on. I, I yeah.
2: um, I don't, uh, yeah, I think you're right, Cam. Like, I will, there's many, f- I always will defend that a Predator film is fun, yes. even when they anger all me, fine. like the Predator yes. did. But there are some that are exceptional. I think this is one of them, and I'm really hope Prey is exceptional. I think the idea of combining Comanche, like. History and and the Predator mythology, and then I, I think I read that they're going to put a Comanche subtitled version mm-hmm. available, which is pretty damn cool. I think it's even um, a, a
1: completely dead language that is uh, that they're they brought in a language person. Yeah, wild. Yeah, that's amazing. It's uh, yeah, it's cool. And I mean that that's the other thing with Predator and Alien is that like it's like how can you not be constantly making sequels to this like you can just throw a predator in anywhere and it works
0: let's get into that then why didn't this get a sequel mm-hmm. because for me this made more than enough on top of the minuscule budget that it made that yeah, it made, yeah. it it made, made a money. Lot of money everybody wanted to do it it was i mean very few people survived this but like brody was back in um everybody was back in for this so it's weird to me that they didn't they even had the whole thing mapped out the producers loved the idea of what the sequel was going to be do you guys know what the sequel was going to do uh. no
2: it's you good, ready for this? Good. Oh you man, say
0: it, I would. It's real good. Okay, so the new movie opens up with more drops happening and mm-hmm. more aliens showing up. And w- just as one of the super predators is going to kill the new people, both Royce and Isabel pop out, and they're like, "Welcome to the resistance." So now they're running this whole mm. thing. That's just the. P- that's just Act One. Act Two is they figure out how to get onto the ship. One of them is captured, and then it becomes Die Hard on a Predator ship
2: or Air Force One, if yeah, you will. Sir.
0: Exactly. On a but i would watch the hell out of that i'm like that's another like the budget's not astronomical you're seeing what you came to see and you've got two people that you already know know what the tricks are and just watch them get better right i I think think that's interesting
2: sadly if you look at 2010 fox they probably at that point know they're poising themselves for a massive sale to disney or viacom or probably not amazon at that point and I think if you look at the kinds of films they banked and the kinds of franchises that they ensured the longevity of, mm-hmm. it was all just to poise it for a sale. Okay. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. and Which is why you're seeing Fray yeah, now. They also do say yeah. that that essentially while they were kind of developing it and it was going back and forth that the, the Shane Black one came up and just kind of took the thunder yeah and i also think stuff yeah. like adrian brody kind of never this is kind of his last bite at the apple of being an action star because he had king kong yeah. and stuff too but yeah yeah
2: good point so, 2005, yeah, yeah. I,
1: there, I, he just kind of never clicked and i think he's also kind of a tough person to work with that people don't like necessarily i know he's still around but i know that i, I
2: he's the wes anderson yeah guy.
1: yeah he's Wes, and i think he's on tv a lot But um,
2: yeah. He does miniseries. I will say though, there's a lot of hope. Like the fact that Disney just now, with having purchased Fox, Mm -hmm. is doing Prey. Maybe this is going to be where we see the sequel. Like if Prey does well, and I don't know how things do well when they're just on Hulu. But um, you know, if this does well, then I and we know that Cam brought up uh, earlier. There's an Alien television series coming. Like we could see maybe not this exact script for Predators, but I could see them. I mean, especially Nimrod Antel being um, so good at television right now with Stranger Things. Bring him back. G- g- maybe, like, revise the script in a couple years. See what happens.
0: Well, Nimrod Antel has a fantastic expression of delight and excitement, oh, yeah. which is, that was pancakes. <laughs> and I think we end with the fact that this movie is pancakes. Yeah. And so with the end of this movie also comes the end of season four. This was one heck of a ride, guys. It was.
1: It's, true. It's, uh, <laughs> it's like a free-for-all yeah. out of a predator yeah, yeah. yes.
0: <laughs> We had some really amazing guests, uh, but we also had some really amazing movies that we got to watch with those guests. Uh, and of course, as we always end the season, what was the one movie that you guys would really recommend people go back to and go check out if they haven't seen it yet? Uh, Cam, let's start with you. You look confident. Yeah,
1: sure, yeah. You know what? I think that I was very uh, impressed by Scream Blackula Scream, which I, I think was I mm. always told that was considered a uh, you know blackula is good scream black scream is bad, um, but i yeah, I was really interested in it and it made made me go back and rewatch blackula uh, and yeah, those are just a kind of a great uh, much deeper concept and franchise than I had expected uh, that that would probably be mine
2: how about for you, Alicia? I think I'd go back to our Kirsten Dunst episode because dick really. Stood out for me. Um, <laughs> it, it, yeah, I'm not going to make a joke. It's a gift but, um, that keeps on giving, yeah. Yeah, it's, it was such a surprise to see that again and how um, effervescent and politically astute it was uh, for 1999. Um, and then otherwise, I'd say if I could have a second one, um, Canadian Heavenly Bodies just really fun. The the Japanese version of the vinyl soundtrack arrived recently in the mail and I've been playing that pretty hard Um, and that was a really, really fun episode to do with, uh, that was with... um, That was with Brendan. Yeah, what's the other (laughs) film though? With with Perfect. 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 I really, I mean, Perfect was pretty great. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And actually, I was going to say, like I had discovered Perfect earlier because Alicia, you had said you need to see this is actually really good and you were in fact correct. So I won't choose Perfect. But I will say that Discovering Jesus Christ Superstar, oh, where nice. like yeah. I played that soundtrack a lot. Later, I went back. I watched different versions of uh, of uh, all the different people who were playing him. Um, I liked that a lot mm. more than I thought it would. And that Anthony Oliveira conversation, I found extremely enlightening. Sure. So Are I like it a
1: now? lot. Did you did you convert to Catholicism?
0: <laughs> no, but I do have thoughts on the right. Bible, which is I think all <laughs> anyone can ask for. All right, and let's bring this season to a close. But don't worry, we're gonna be back. In a few weeks, specifically April 4th. So if you're not subscribed to the show yet, go ahead and subscribe now so that you know when the show is dropping. And we're going to be looking at 1977, 1988, 1991, and 2002. All very good years for film. You're not going to want to miss it. So we'll see you then. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the A Year in Film podcast from Hollywood Suite. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Hollywood Suite. Hollywood Suite is the home of the movies and the series that shaped the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Always uncut and always commercial-free, Hollywood Suite lets you experience movies the way they were meant to be seen. On four HD channels and Hollywood Suite On Demand. Subscribe today at HollywoodSuite.ca. The A Year in Film Podcast is hosted by Becky Shrimpton and produced by Becky Shrimpton, Alicia Fletcher, and Cameron Maitland. And today featured Cameron Maitland and Alicia Fletcher as guests. Supervising producer is Emily Gagnier. Executive producers are David Kines and Julie Kumaria. Audio engineering by Andy Reid. We'll see you in a couple weeks.